to you all and welcome to the Tuesday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host Wayne Clevenger and today we are in Hebrews 8 through 10 and man this is good stuff. This this is what we as followers of Jesus Christ are all based on. We could take these three chapters, really two chapters 8 and 9 are really the basis and 10 is our uh, encouragement chapter we could take this section and just use this to be our catalyst for witnessing for worshiping and everything because this is good stuff so let's dive in here because chapter 8 gets into pointing out that Jesus you know we talked about how Jesus was our high priest but this gets specific on how he is the high priest and how that comes to be as our high priest Jesus sits down at honor beside God in a throne in heaven and he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle which is a place built by the Lord not by human hands, okay? So this gets specific on how the tabernacle that Moses had was built by human hands, but even though it was given all the detail by God and they built it out just as God told them to, it was built by man. And in that tabernacle, you know, it points out there were two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. And it really gets detailed in telling us how they were built. And in the holiest of holy places, we found the Ark of the Covenant. And in there was the tablets from Moses, the staff of Aaron that grew buds, and uh, some manna, a jar of manna that they had when they were wandering in the wilderness and the cherubim were over the top of it you know those great big majestic figures made of gold that protected it and in there that's the representation of God and so we're in there and only one priest could go in there one time a year to offer a sacrifice and pray for the people for sins, okay? But Jesus is our high priest, is far superior than the old priesthood, for he's the one that meditates for us far better, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. When God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The new covenant I'll make with the people of Israel, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
and they won't have to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will already know me. <laughs> and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins, because the new covenant is going to be far superior. So chapter 9 goes into the details of the, you know, the tabernacle and how it was, and it points out this very thing. They would do this sacrificing, you know, taking it in to the priest would take in the animal to sacrifice it for the sins. There was only one that could go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. And and what's really interesting about the priest that goes in, he, you know, he had to make sure he was clear of his sins because if the priest went in unworthily, he would be struck dead. And so there was a veil between the most holy place, the holiest of holy places, and the holy place. And, you know, when Jesus dies on the cross, that's the veil that's rent in two because that most holy place is the presence of God, right? And so the gifts and sacrifice the priests offer don't cleanse the conscience of the people because the people don't see it. The people aren't there. The people aren't in contact with or in the presence of the living God. It's the priest that's doing all the work, right? They just give it to the priest. And what's better with Jesus is remember when he dies on the cross, that veil is rent in two. So we always use that word rent. So it's cut, it's broken in two. So now from the most holy place to the holiest of holy places to the holy place, that, that division is no longer there. That's open to us all. We have direct access. And that happens with the blood of Jesus. He does it with his own blood there on the cross. And he enters the most holy place once for all time and secures our redemption forever. It's not with the blood of goats or calves. It's with Jesus' blood. So think how much more the blood of Christ can purify our consciences from sinful deeds than that of someone bringing the goat goat blood or calf blood in or sheep blood in. So we can worship the living God knowing that we've been redeemed. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And this is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For God set them free from the penalty of sins. This is the new covenant. This is what it means when we talk about the new covenant, the new covenant is life in Christ. The new covenant is we can go directly to the Father by asking the Lord to forgive us. We don't have to go through 
some system where we bring something to a priest to go say, hey, ask God to forgive me because Jesus paid all that and his blood was sprinkled. Because here's the thing. This is the most interesting verse in the Bible, I think. If we think about the whole forgiveness scheme and the way they were forgiven for sin back in the Old Testament with the with the sacrifices and they would sacrifice, they would dip the hyssop branches and scarlet wool in the in the the blood that was drained out of the sacrificial lamb or the goat or the calf and then they would sprinkle it on the altar and they would sprinkle it on the book of the law and that would be their uh, forgiveness that would represent their forgiveness here's what's interesting in Hebrews 9 verse 22 it says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness and if you think about that, in all of the Old Testament, when you were seeking forgiveness, you brought a sacrifice, and they had to sacrifice the animal. There's sin sacrifices, uh, thankful Thanksgiving sacrifices. There's all kinds of sacrifices that meant you would get forgiven, all right? But it's ritualistic, but in any case, there's shedding of blood to show that you went through the ritual, right? But now God's saying, look, man, that didn't cleanse anything from your heart or your mind. That was a ritual you went through. That's why the people always stray from God. That's why, you know, in verse 95, 11 of Psalms, Psalms 95, 11, God said, hey, I'm their hearts are hard and I'm never going to let them enter my rest because they ran from me. They didn't follow my covenant. And then God saw that he needed something that would get to the heart of the matter. You know, I talked about this Sunday when God said in Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God. He said it with a word from Hebrew word, Ahib, which was a real loose word of love. And if you look at that love and, and study all the different meanings of it, that word is so loose, it's loose like we use it today. It, it, it gets as loose as love like I love my car, I love this, I, I love McDonald's, I love, it's loose. It had even the loosest meaning as it could be for the Eros love, the sexual uh, drawing of people love and what's so interesting is that is the whole old testament was filled with that form of love and god knew he needed to have a stronger bond in love with his people so when he sends the new covenant that word love changes to agape a form of agape love which rises the standard and in that form of word, it's to love like Jesus loves, like God loves. We look forward and it says God is love. That's that form of love. So if we're going to love like Jesus and it says in all who love God, God lives in them and they live in God, that means we got to love 
like Jesus loved, which is unconditional, so that he would give his life for the church. He would give his life for us. John 15, 13, there's no greater love, agape, for any man that he would give his life for a friend. See, he's calling us to a higher standard now in love, so he's telling us, look, we got to get saved in the new covenant. We got to seek forgiveness of sins and a new life in Christ that's going to be love one another as I loved you. Not this loose love, not this love that doesn't have meaning, but this love that is so bonded like he and the son are bonded that he would give his life for us because that's what the new covenant's all about. Because Jesus did not enter the holy place made with human hands that was a copy of the true heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear before God on our behalf. And so when we come before Jesus and ask him for repentance and we ask him to save us from our last life, that life that was sinful where we were separated from God, we are like entering the holiest of holy places and saying, Lord, take me. You shed your blood to cover this, cover all that old life so I don't have to live that way anymore. And man, do I remember that day in my life. It was so amazing. And I, I mean, I don't want to ever go back that way. So... We have to want that. And let me tell you, that is an affair of the heart. It's not a ritual. Your heart changes. Your mind changes. And so, you know, we get, we, I was talking about Deuteronomy 6.5. We go back to Matthew 22 when Jesus recites that same commandment, love the Lord your God. You know, in Deuteronomy 6.5, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your mind, or with all your, or with all your soul, and with all your strength, Jesus says it in, in Matthew twenty-two. Love all, love the Lord your God. That's a day agape. He raises the standard with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Oh. So he's cleansing your heart and your mind and your conscience. He knows that it's not a ritual. He knows this new covenant. I mean, they're one, right? Nothing I do is of my own accord, Jesus said. It's because they're one, because they have this thing where he's entered on our behalf and he is the new covenant. So now we have to be of the same covenant and we've been had all of our sin removed and because of that, we can be one with him. And it says he will come again not to deal with our sins but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly eagerly waiting for him. And there's a world eagerly waiting for him. They just don't realize that that's the missing piece. So that's why we that have it have to go and be the witness for that. So we have to be willing to share the love of Christ because God's will for us is that we be made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus' body once and for all. 
because he offered himself for us. And that offering that Jesus made for us is good for all time. And that in in chapter ten he just hammers that. That it's not that he had to be crucified over and over and over. No, he did it once for all. Once we when we get saved, we're saved if we stay true to him. Now some people have this theory that once you're saved you're always saved, but no. The gift of salvation is always available to us, yes, but the Bible is clear that if the those that live righteous turn to unrighteousness, then they will die in their unrighteousness. That's from Ezekiel 33. We have to turn from our old life and stay turned from it. And so the new covenant will make people on that day say, I will put my laws in their hearts. Remember, I will write that on their minds. And the, the Lord, if we, when he writes it on our hearts and our minds, how will we do that? Do we live this new life? We discipline ourselves in what the Lord wants. We pray, we worship, we read the word. And so he gives us words of encouragement on how to do that. We got to persevere. We got to keep going to the presence of God with sincere hearts. And so we get into the lettuce. I'm not talking salad. I'm into the let us. That means we need each other. That means we have to be corporate. That means we have to do things together. That means we have to build each other up. That means we have to. Remember Paul said that. Don't let any unwholesome talk come from our mouth. Only that which is good in building each other up. When our new life comes, when we're going into a new direction with Jesus Christ in the new covenant, we have, as God says, his word is written on our hearts. We have a change of heart. It's We have Jesus in our hearts and our minds are changed. Then we have to get into that corporate setting where we can worship together, where we can pray together, where we can build each other up. So, in chapter 10, he starts giving us the let us encouragement. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Remember, Jesus said, I am the living water. <laughs> And all those who come to me will never thirst again. We got to come to him and be ready to be filled with him. I mean, come with expectation. Lord, what do you have for me today? And let our hearts and minds be fully his. Love the Lord your God. You know, it's a new, a holy new level of love. When Jesus says it, it's a, it's, it takes it to a new standard with all your heart and all your soul and your mind. That's your being, your, that's who you are, your soul. And I always, when I hear soul, I always, I'm reminded, you know, when I was working actively on the helicopter as a flight paramedic, we would always take off and we would tell our dispatch center that, you know, air life's off the pad with three souls on board. 
We never said three people. That would be the flight medic, the flight nurse, and the and the uh, pilot. We would never say three people. We always said three souls. That's who we are. So that if we ever crash, you know, when you crash, if you you die, most of the time, and when you die, the person, the people are no longer, I mean, you got to witness death. I've seen so much death that it still amazes me that at one second you're a person, the next second you're a memory. But the soul prospers. The soul lives on. Somewhere it spends eternity. And unless we know Jesus Christ, we spend eternity in the gates of hell or we spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. That's why this is so important for us to know that we have to spend the, our as much time as we can in the presence of God with sincere, with sincere hearts, knowing that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus and that our new lives are good. And hold tight, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope. I love this phrase, to the hope, because we're going to hear about the hope next that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. If the Lord said he saves you and sanctifies you and you're filled with his Holy Spirit, then you are filled with his Holy Spirit. If there's any doubt in it, then that's on us. We're letting Satan mess with our mind, and we can't do that. So he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's it, acts of love. See, we're already in there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your mind. It's already at a new level because now we're talking about loving each other, right? And let us not neglect our meeting together. We got to be together, as some people do. You can't be a lone ranger believer. You got to be together. The Bible tells us to be together. We got to be together so we can encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Because persecution becomes more intense. Because things get tough, and we need to be together to encourage each other. We need each other. Because here's the thing, and I highlighted this in a different color, because this is real life. Dear friends, if we deliberately keep sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, there's not another sacrifice that will cover these sins. Jesus is it, man. If if we think there's some other way. There is no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. He is the only way. And if if we think we can keep sinning even though we already know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he's the only thing, the only answer, the only solution, and there's some other way. I mean, there's no other way. We can't go get dunked in a baptistry and say, oh, that worked. No, it didn't. We can't take communion and say, oh, that worked. No, we can't. Unless we fully repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for the thing I've made it. <laughs> I'm sorry for the way I've been living. I repent of my sins. I need you in my heart. And I want to love you, Lord, with all my heart. 
and all my soul and all my mind. And then Jesus would later add strength. Man, then and only then will we get it. And when we get it, you will be so happy. You will be so changed. And your heart and your mind will be so different. And you will you will be so excited to be in the hands of the living God. Because here's the thing. In chapter 10, verse 31, it says, It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God if we don't know him. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient is endurance. Patient endurance is what we need now so that we will continue to do God's will. And then we'll receive all that he has promised. So today what we got to do is, is know that God, Jesus paid it all. He's there for us. And everything that we have is all because of Jesus. And he is our only solution. And if we have Jesus, man, we got to work hard to live together. You know, Jesus prayed that. Let him be one as you and I are one. And keep coming together to encourage each other and lift each other up. Because we need each other, especially, as it says there, because the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. So today, let's just praise the Lord because we know how awesome it is to be his child. And if you don't know him, then let's think about that. Because like it said, there is no other sacrifice because Jesus has already did everything we need. So let's maybe say, Lord, I need you today. Come into my heart. And let's begin this Christmas season with a new life in Christ. Have a great Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow.